And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course. And it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. Hey listeners, the new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX-11, is here. RX-11 is everything you need to fix, enhance, and polish your audio for music and content creation. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using the code FRET10 at isotope.com. That's F-R-E-T-1-0 at I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hi, Yvette. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm um, home in Seattle. About to go on tour tomorrow, but I'm happy to be home for one last day. Same. <laughs> yeah. Are you leaving tomorrow too? Uh, day after tomorrow, basically. Yeah. And you're home now? Mm-hmm. Where is home? Home is San Jose, California. I'll be heading towards you. Portland is oh. our first date. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did you grow up in San Jose? Yeah. Born and raised. What'd you get up to when you're growing up there in San Jose? I grew up, part of my childhood was growing up in Pleasanton. I used to skateboard in San Jose a lot. Ah, cool. There's a bunch of parks here. Um, Yeah. I just, you know, (laughs) went to school, born and raised, grew up doing classical music. So. Oh, you did? Yeah. I was like in a bunch of orchestras and just a bunch of extracurriculars. Then I uh, I moved to LA for college for a little bit, but I didn't really mm. stay there long. So I think I read that you you grew up in a musical family. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, How was what's that mean for you? Uh, I guess I was forced to play music when I was a kid. I didn't really want to. Uh, I I think I wanted to like. I don't know, play basketball or something, kind of a mm. jock move. But my my <laughs> my mom and my dad were like really into classical music, and so I started on piano when I was four, seven, violin when I was seven. Um, it was a lot of pressure, and um, I just grew up around classical music. Uh, everyone in my family kind of does it. My cousin is an amazing concert pianist, and she uh, works at UNC teaching piano now. But oh. I I definitely took a different path than classical music. 
but it was good because I, I started out hating it. But then after, you know, going through a lot with it, uh, I discovered guitar, taught myself, and it totally restored my relationship, not only with music, but I think with myself. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you ever get to play basketball? You know, recess. The, yeah, be- yeah. the bell rings, just grab the ball, immediately run to the court. I was really into it. I, I always wanted to go to basketball camp, but I was never allowed to because it would mess up my hands and I couldn't oh. like compete in competitions and stuff. So Right. I used to play basketball and I stopped playing so I wouldn't mess up my hands. Oh, no way. Yeah. See, it's, yeah. A tr- it's if you I don't know if you still skate, but that stuff. I don't anymore. Yeah. I can't. That is harrowing. Some of the injuries. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I want to congratulate you on this new record, Catharsis. It's It's a great record. It's a real journey of songwriting and performance. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, the process of making this. But um, first, I want to talk a little bit about your influences and as far as, I guess, rock or progressive rock or whatever we want to call it. Because it really sparked my memory of a couple eras in my life where I was listening to like punk rock music and like metal and stuff like that. But along came bands that were a little more savvy and technical. And I really loved it. It was really refreshing to me. Mm -hmm. And it was in the Bay Area. There was bands like Victim's Family, almost like closer to Primus, stuff like that Mm. around that era, the beginning. I loved it when I first heard it. And then kind of later in the 90s, there was a few bands like Trans Am and uh, bitch magnet. What a terrible name for a band, but a great <laughs> band. <laughs> um, and Don Caballero. I love uh, Don Cab. That's okay. My yeah. yeah. So I was listening to your record and I was like, hmm, what is like, there was something kind of special in, in, in my memory about it. And it just makes me wonder what is, what is your influence? Because you know, you're, it's extraordinary. There's not a million people making music like Covet. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. Um, I, I think you're spot on in identifying some of that, the, the, some of the bands that you, you listed, uh, mainly Don Cab. I grew up listening to like, okay. I loved everything growing up. Uh, I think I was averse to classical cause I was like pushed into it. But nowadays I have a lot of respect and admiration for it. It is timeless, truly. Sure. Um, but yeah, I grew up listening to, I discovered Minus the Bear when I was in middle school. I was like, this mm-hmm. is really cool and like different than Linkin Park, <laughs> what everyone else yeah, was listening right. to at the time. I was like, this yeah. is neat. Uh, and then I, I really liked the little effect, like the pedal sounds and like the effects that were on um, the Men Cell also record. Um, mm-hmm. And then I listened to a bunch of like uh, post rock growing up, like Explosions in the Sky, God Speedy Black Emperor, oh, okay. uh, yeah. Joy Wants Eternity. Like there was the post-rock boom right. uh, I was super into because it did remind me of my classical upbringing because a lot of post-rock is like, it's, it's like sonic storytelling and it's emotional, it's dynamic. There's movements, there's a motif that yeah. like repeats. So it was really familiar territory for me. And I feel like that was my segue gateway into like rock. Um, grew up listening to American football, Joan of Arc, Captain Jazz, right. like all of that. As, okay. Uh, I, a bunch of bands like Braid and Mineral I was into as well. And yeah, that kind of just informed... Uh, I, I discovered alternate tunings thanks to American football and a band called Toe. Um, so I started kind of teaching myself how to 
play like that. And then I was like, you know what? I could just write music in this tuning. So I started like kind of noodling around and that's how I got into my current style. Yeah. I listened to, I'm trying to think of like heavier stuff I was into, like Envy at the time. It was like mm-hmm. kind of more post-hardcore stuff. I don't know. Just a whole plethora of different all right. things. Well, it makes sense that, that that sparked all those memories for me then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and with this new record, Catharsis, to me, it seems a little bit lighter than your past records. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong. Does it? How does this record feel different to you? I would say, well, that's. I always love hearing that perspective because I think as the writer of the music and the creator of it, I tend to feel like I get numb to the overall effect. Like I have no idea what it would make someone feel because mm-hmm. I've just sat with it a long time. So I, I think definitely for me, it's half of it. It's supposed to be half like really light and playful and yeah. kind of like uplifting and happy. Mm-hmm. And then half of it was supposed to sound like kind of more ambivalent and like smolder and like corn. All those are like heavy, but I don't okay. want it to sound like negative. It's supposed to just be like heavy feeling. <laughs> you know, it's probably more oriented towards uh, Firebird that song is like it's almost hopeful and and back mm-hmm. to what you were saying sonic storytelling a lot of your music is instrumental but you're like a master of sonic storytelling is and firebird is like the perfect example of that that is a wonderful journey and it's joyful to me and but yeah it's uh i i don't want to say you don't need lyrics but you don't necessarily need lyrics thank you <laughs> uh, you know i was talking to someone about the beauty of instrumental music and I, you know, lyrics, I admire lyricists. I, to me, the reason why I shy away from it is because I find it daunting. It's a, like very vulnerable mm-hmm. uh, and it's easy to sound like you're trying too hard. Um, yeah. Easy yeah. to sound reductive as well. And like, just kind of like, like you're just following a formula. Uh, it's just too much to think about. I'm like an introvert. I don't really like <laughs> want to tell everyone about my shit, you know? So yeah. uh, I, I feel like what the beauty of, instrumental music is that um i think it can be more empathetic sometimes like Mm. you would think that like having lyrics would be like oh yeah this song gets me but i think sometimes lyrical music tells you how to feel it says like this is a song about a breakup this is a song about like capitalism this is a song like you know and you you exist within the structure of what like the song is is literally semantically dictating to you sure whereas i think instrumental music it doesn't tell you how to feel it listens to you so it's like kind of a reflection of what you're feeling inside and then like it lets sound and melody and tone and texture and dynamics kind of just like amplify what you're you're feeling um and it has the power to change how you're feeling too like when i wrote firebird i wanted a lot of times I write I write happy music when I'm feeling really sad because I I feel like it changes my mood and before you know it I'm like sitting there like dancing so it kind of just uplifts me. Um, I feel the same way looking at abstract art. I think initially I, I studied art in college that was my mm-hmm. um, bread and butter. You know, a lot of figurative art, it's like, it's a still life. It's very well crafted and, you know, it can make you feel a certain type of way. But abstract art is like, it makes you kind of like, have to do a little more work and it has you have to kind of like confront maybe like how you're feeling and look within without sounding too cheesy but i feel (laughs) like instrumental music kind of does that for me as well yeah that's beautifully put it it's um and it makes me think that there's a enough of an ambiguous space when you're experiencing a instrumental song 
much like classical music that, and I'm big on parameters for a lot of things in expression, but it alleviates the parameters and just allows you to feel because it's not words. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, with that, I'd like to play Firebird. Is that cool with you? Totally.
Yes. Happiness. Yeah. <laughs> I confirmed it. That song makes me happy. I'm glad. That was the overall goal. So have you consistently worked with two other band members with Covet? Yeah, I, uh, I've i always like written everything. I just bring the songs to my bandmates. And then sometimes I have very specific things I want. Sometimes it's more like, you know, we all work together to try to figure out the best drum part and bass part. Um, I recently went through a lineup change through this record, actually. It's mm. funny. It, it is a light record sonically in some ways, but oh, man. It was, I survived. <laughs> I, yeah, it was just, I can't catch a break, man. <laughs> like, um, I started, I, I, halfway through um, the recording process, basically, I, I decided that I needed to change everything. So I re, I redid all the bass. Uh, mm -hmm. And I had a friend, John Button, track it all. And it was, he was, it was a great process, actually. I think working with him was actually one of the really uplifting parts of it all. Uh, and I, I ended up redoing a lot of my guitar because I don't know if you ever feel this, but when you record, I feel like I, if I haven't toured on it, if I haven't played the songs a lot, I don't necessarily even know how I want it to sound yet. And once you toured on a body of music, the way you play it changes, you make different creative decisions and you kind of feel how it operates within a space. And yeah. I, after doing a tour on it, I was like, eh, I want to redo the guitar. So I like redid eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think in a perfect world, uh, at least for me, if you know, you're going to put out a record in eight months, try to play those songs on tour. I think that a lot of those songs will go away. You'll be like, eh, we don't like those songs anymore, yeah. but you'll come up with better versions of the songs that you keep and then you go record them. But it just never seems to work out that way. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I wish, ideally, I wish people had like so long to just sit on a body of work and yeah. make those decisions. But unfortunately, you know how this record work was the recording time was booked before I even had the record really written. It was. So, yeah. I, I, in some ways, it's good because it lights yeah. a fire under my ass. And I'm just like, okay, I got to crack down and see what happens. And it feels good. Like, I'm like, yeah, I only yeah. had a month and I did it. Woo. But. I don't think it makes for the most, the best creative decisions. I think mm -hmm. having time with right. something and letting it marinate, you know, that's the yeah. best way. <laughs> what was your headspace when you were beginning this new record or had you been writing it piecemeal over years? Um, I wrote most of it during quarantine. I think I was having a bit of a renaissance and I would like to preface this by saying I do, I am aware that for a lot of people, the pandemic was like a really negative time, um, mm -hmm. full of doubt and uncertainty. But for me, I was just like, hell yeah, I don't have to <laughs> do anything right now. It's great. I can, I taught myself how to record. Uh, I All had right. never done that before because I just never had time. I think when you don't have a lot of time, it's difficult to take risks and make art for the sake of making art because everything is like, you have to structure your day productively. So you don't have, uh, Part of experimentation means that you're never go you're, you're not guaranteed like a usable product like you could spend six hours doing something scrap it but i didn't even sure. have that time to give because i was so go 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 um but then during quarantine i started like just trying to record stuff for fun doing a little bit of collabing here and there just teaching myself how to track a basic demo and so this was the first record where i got to track all the songs myself start to finish with oh. all the parts all the layers, all of the like even bass ideas um, 
I tracked it and just could show the band like this is what the song sounds like like you know write drums to this or um, yeah. please follow this bass line um keep that in mind that this is the basic chord progression that I would yeah. like and that changed everything for me uh and a lot of these songs actually were inspired by pedal demos uh firebird oh, really? yeah firebird is inspired by a chorus tone uh cornels inspired by a fuzz re- reverb pedal broncos inspired by the dd3 i was trying to showcase like how cool that stutter thing is so i just wrote a riff to show that and then all oh, of these cool. songs i was like i just want to turn them into full songs that's great so you you tracked the tunes yourself without the drums it sounds like and mm-hmm. then you went in and recorded with john button yeah, um, I we kind of worked long distance. Like okay. I'd send him a song, and I'd send him kind of what I hear loosely for it, and then he'd play it, and then add his own touch to it, or he brought his own ideas, and then we just did track by track, and it was so cool seeing how quickly he could work. Yeah, he's a pro. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> so that was entirely remote, the recording. Yeah, we never got to meet up. You looking forward to getting into a studio the next record? Um. I would, I, I've learned a lot from this experience. It would be really fun to, now that I, I feel like I have more experience in my belt recording wise, ideally <laughs> I have my thoughts about studio time and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing how everyone has the power to record at home. Like technology right now is crazy. And I think you can get really good sounding things yeah. from, from your home and you don't have to necessarily shout out like, 50 grand or something to sure. you know go to a nice space you can i still think mm-hmm. i would like that to be part of the process but i would like to do a lot of the pre-pro and maybe like guitar tracking myself because i think a lot of recording engineers they don't like tracking they want the, it's more about the production side so yeah yeah i agree with you absolutely i don't want to waste someone's time i don't want to sit there and have someone be uh, weird because I'm taking a million time, million hours to try to figure out how I want to play something. That's something I can do from the safety and comfort of my own home. Yeah, and then I can just bring my finished ideas and be like, "Here you go. Like, let's do yeah. some panning. Let's do some double tracking. Let's see what we can do with this." That's such a great positive view on that. Sometimes I get cranky about that, but <laughs> what's your view? What's your? How do you feel? Well, about I just it? think that people are more interested in production rather than tracking and. Yes. They're more interested in their production and making a mark with your music as a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not all like that, but there's a lot more people that do it that way and people find success in it. But I just don't, I don't think in the big picture, it's, it's the best way to go. I I don't think it's the best way to collaborate. I I feel like perhaps I, I, I have no, I'm in no position to speak on this because, whoa, loud plane. All right. San Jose Airport. Sick. Uh, <laughs> or SFO. I don't know how close it you are. sounds like a... Hmm. I don't know how present that is in the recording. <laughs> can no, you I still can hear it. Okay. No, yeah, it's okay, though. It's fine. Okay. Um, I don't know if I'm the most like well-versed person to speak on this, but how I do feel is I think it's the the job of the engine, the engineer, whatever the person that is producing to bring out like the best possible version of the music. Mm-hmm. And maybe not to like put their ideology or their whatever um, personal agenda on to a thing. Like 
okay, like I think this way when I collaborate with someone, like when someone gives me a part, I'm not just going to try to superimpose my style onto it and be like, there, it works. You know, yeah. I'm like going to listen to it. And then I'm like, how can I like use my strengths to make this thing come to life and to like enhance it and not step all over it? It's not about me. It's not about like what I think is best. It's about like what's going to make this music exist in its best possible form. So I, I would I would hope that like that's kind of the attitude that people have. But I do agree with you that sometimes it does become about like I just want to make a mark, my mark on this music. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. Again, beautifully put, Thanks. eloquent. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, um, one more thing I'd like to talk about, which I really like, is the art on all these records. Do you have a hand in that, or is it your art? Um, yeah, I, I went to art school and uh -huh. I, I'm glad that I, you know, wasn't completely squandered degree. I, I still get to do all the merch design and all the album art. It's, it's really fun having control over that because on one hand, yeah, it's more work for me, but then I don't have to translate what I want the music to how I want to represent the music to someone else like mm -hmm. this the music lives within me so I kind of have a feeling of like what I want to do to visually um represent it and I think these days especially people kind of consume music with their eyes um yeah and so your overall band aesthetic or like your over like when you go buy a record you know what you first see is the album right? and that catches your eye and then you're like okay what's this and then you look at the back and you're like oh I'm into it um I'll give it a go so it is kind of exciting to be like, what do I want to tell people about this music before they even hear a note? That's great. Yeah. Well, um, so the record comes out on April 7th on Triple Crown Records. And you said you are beginning a tour. Is it a national tour? Yeah. Um, just U.S. Canada dates. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think after this one, we're just going to lay low for a bit because I got to write. <laughs> yeah it's i don't know how people juggle writing with touring all the time like i i get so depressed when i'm unable to like make new things and i'm just like playing music i don't know just like i i, I think i'm more of a writer i think right. i'm like not like the biggest fan of standing in front of huge crowds i get nervous still okay. but yeah <laughs> how do you feel about touring in general is it is it uh taxing it is but i think with the right people it can be like being somewhere with your family, which is ultimately mm -hmm. the the vibe I'm going I'm going for on the road. Um, I think it was a big reason why I needed to change my lineup too, because I just felt like not even safe on the road. Um, mm -hmm. But like, yeah, I think with the right people, we uplift each other and we support each other in that way. And the way it is, as I get older, I'm not like the oldest person in the world, but I do feel like I can't pull all nighters as easily. Uh -huh. um, I am just. I need to be aware of what I'm eating because stuff like does affect me adversely. Um, and I, I just don't want to, I'm not as social on the road. Also, I'm at work. Like I would love to hang out till 3am, you know, yeah. doing stuff with people that I never get to see. Uh, Cause I'm never, when am I going to be in Wyoming? You know, like, yeah. but yeah, yeah. ultimately I'm at work and I got to protect myself. And I, I, I want to, keep doing this for as long as I can. So we're not drinkers. We don't really smoke. Like we're the, I jokingly call us the least rock and roll band in rock and roll. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, we don't really have, we don't have beer on our writer even. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, we, we're, I think we're all kind of just like trying to take care of ourselves. Cause we ultimately love playing music. Um, and we want to be able to do it for as long as we can and not feel like garbage. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's tough to do. 
Yeah. What you say you're not you're the least rock and roll band. What is the most rock and roll thing you think you <laughs> have done? <laughs> One of the most rock and roll moments I can remember was I think just like being like I'm such a little prepare it's i'm very type a personality so i'm like i need to know like what 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 i'm dealing with like what the requirements are like blah blah, blah. Mm. i think there's one day where we were in reading and they were like encore and we're like we don't have anything prepared <laughs> and then i was just gonna be like no we're not gonna give you that but then it was so loud and they were so insistent on it i never felt Yay. that response before i was like okay at the time we never played firebird together before like it was oh. like i just showed them it and we had like no cohesion yet and i didn't even know how to play it perfectly but mm -hmm. i was just like do we just jam out that song and whatever happens happens like they don't even know it yet like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we did that and it was it did train wreck in the middle but we found each other and we ended together so that was kind of rock and roll <laughs> oh that's great <laughs> yeah and now and now if you have to do that again you know you can 100 percent, and yeah. you know i think that when i a large part of the reason why i've strayed away from like being really passionate about live performance is because i do come from a classical world of like rehearsal preparation and like you got to deliver this music perfectly and you can't make a mistake like piano composition days that's what they were grading me on and i think yeah. in the classical world it is about that most of the time um, but one thing that helped me learn to love uh, performing more and, and playing live is realizing that it's not about the perfect delivery of the music that you've written. That's what recording is for. Recording is to, again, make the ideal version of this thing that exists in your head. Yeah. And you can do all kinds of things that you can't do live. Why exactly. not? Yeah. Screw it. You have to live with the recording the rest of your life. You might as well get what you want. Exactly uh, what you want. Yeah. Yeah. But then live, it's not about the exact translation of that. You can get close, but it's more about a transfer of energy. And what that moment taught me was those people were stoked. It sounded like ass in the middle. Like it yeah, was yeah. not, it was hilarious. Like we were laughing because it's like, what is going on? But yeah, then yeah. people were like so thrilled at the end because they got to watch something happen for the first time. And it was like so harrowing, like, oh, what's going to happen? Are they going to find each other? But it felt like everyone was like celebrating that night. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's the beauty of live performance. And, it, uh -huh. and it, you and I are subjective to this, but I think, and I don't like to celebrate the, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, if there's a train wreck and make mistakes, the audience loves it. And it's maybe true and kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a new thing, but yeah. <laughs> for the musicians, I think I found a, a nice spot where it's like, yeah, I didn't want to mess up, but if you do, I'm, I'm okay. It's about the recovery. It's about what yeah, you yeah. do with it. But I mean, ultimately, it's always a new novel experience for people. So that's that's what they came for. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope to see you up here in Seattle. I think you're playing at Numos. I am. I am there. If I'm in town. Yeah. I. I good luck on your tour. Um, thank you. I hope you know everything yeah, goes you. as smoothly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, take care. And again, congrats on this record. It's it's great. I'm going to continue to listen to it. Thank you so much. On my travels. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.